Good morning, Alan. Good morning to your listeners. And it really is good to be back in flesh uh, in, in, the studio. in the studio again rather than uh, talking uh, either on Zoom or on a phone. It's just to see normality return is, is just great. Is it? Uh, and, and, you know, just t- st- looking at that for the moment there, mm. it's been these have been abnormal times. Well, it's been an extraordinary couple of years. And I, I don't think that we have actually come to terms with the toll that is taken. Um, I meet a lot of people, obviously, all the time. And I know... There's a lot of people who have been changed fundamentally over the last two years, and it's not something that they can switch out of. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have been, you know, psychologically harmed by all that's gone on for the last uh, couple of years. You know, people who are anxious, elderly people who were very outgoing, who don't go out anymore. Hmm. So I think we have a lot of healing to do over the next um, six, eight months in particular, but probably over the next couple of years. And I suppose we all have to think about how we can reach out better uh, to people who... Um, have been wounded psychologically by the isolation of the last two years. Right, we've a lot to get through in the mm. programme, but first off, I want to look at the Northern Ireland Protocol, as we heard there on South East Radio News with Jim just a few moments ago. We've heard a Fine Gael response to this. So let's get the Labour Party response mm. to this. And first of all, can you explain, by your understanding, what is this all about, Brendan? Well, that's a very, very profound question to ask. What's it all about? I mean, you have to go back to first principles. Uh, Brexit was always a bad idea. And we knew from the very beginning that Brexit was going to have an extraordinary impact on the island of Ireland. And that's why we argued, all of us across all political parties in the Republic, that Britain, even if they voted for Brexit as they did, uh, should remain in the single market uh, so that there wouldn't be two markets on the island of Ireland uh, and two barriers on the island of Ireland with different sets of tariffs on goods and checks on the movement of goods. That was rejected. Um, The hardest of hard Brexits was pursued uh, by the Johnson government, um, by the DUP supporting them in Parliament when they actually had significant numbers and they were important in the British Parliament and we were left then with trying to find a way Hmm. where we could preserve the Good Friday Agreement, not have any border of any kind on the island of Ireland and after four years of negotiations the only solution that could be arrived at and that was agreed was the protocol, the Northern Ireland Protocol and that was written into law it was passed by both parliaments, the Irish Parliament and the British Parliament, it is registered as an international agreement so it is solemn and it cannot be walked away from by any one party Uh, and what's happening in the last number of weeks is you know, I I tried to to speak diplomatically but I can't speak diplomatically it is appalling that the British government would threaten to tear up that hard, difficult negotiated agreement and walk away uh, and suggest that uh, that a legal document a binding document uh, can simply be torn up by one party that's not the way civilized countries operate it's not the way mature democracies operate so what is the uk government proposing and what will happen what they're proposing um is a very good question again because th- there's a variety of things i mean Number one, I I chair the Economics Committee of the British-Irish Parliamentary Assembly. I've been to Northern Ireland. I've met with business people, business leaders, exporters. Hmm. Uh, I've met with the port authorities uh, right across Northern Ireland. And I've done the same in Britain. I've been to Liverpool and we've been to Wales, to the Welsh ports. uh, And we've we've heard firsthand. Uh, We met this week with the revenue, the British revenue, to see the impact on trade. Just by way of backdrop to all of this. Um, 
we know that there are difficulties because there is there's going to be difficulties when Brexit happened. The idea is how to minimize those. Right. And we've worked very hard. Uh, Maros Sefcovic, who is the vice president of the European Commission, who leads for the European Union, has published comprehensive proposals to minimize any checks that are required on goods coming into Northern Ireland uh, from Britain. Um, he says that more than 80% of goods uh, can be green-lighted before they even uh, embark from Britain. Uh, but there is no engagement from the UK side on this. Yeah. They want to politicize this in a way that is very, very dangerous. And when you say very, very dangerous, how is it so dangerous? Well, it's dangerous because it threatens the Good Friday Agreement. Really? Um, that serious? It yeah. is that serious. I mean, in, in truth, the issue of the protocol has become a totemic issue for unionists. Mm -hmm. They believe that this is a diminution of their status as part of the United Kingdom. But Northern Ireland was always different. It's different from the period of the enactment of the Good Friday Agreement. It, it was recognized that special and different rules apply uh, because of the, um, the situation of a divided island of Ireland. Uh, and we try to minimize the disruption, uh, to allow people to thrive, and paradoxically, the protocol allows the people of Northern Ireland to be part of both the single European market, which is the largest commercial market in the world, yeah. as well as remain fully part of the UK market. And the proof of the pudding is that it, the, the latest statistics show that Northern Ireland is the, has the, the biggest development uh, over any p region of the United Kingdom in the last 12 months. So businesses are taking advantage of it. Businesses, if you talk to them quietly and away from a microphone will tell you that uh, for those that want to engage this is a, a potentially a great boom for them right what's the worst case scenario then and how will it impact on us how will it impact on us in county wexford for example if this as you say goes full throttle okay well i'll tell you what will happen uh, and everybody is trying to avoid spelling out uh, terrible consequences but you asked me a direct question and uh, as is my want i'll give you a direct answer if the British government unilaterally tears up an agreement that they solemnly and legally entered into, then there will be a reaction. Potentially a trade war between the United Kingdom and uh, the European Union. It won't be just between Ireland and Britain, it'll be between the entire yeah, EU27. And that obviously will have very serious consequences uh, if there are tariffs imposed on goods coming from Britain into uh, into Ireland and the EU and vice versa. Uh, it will make the inflation situation that is already cru crucifying people um, worse. And it is in nobody's interest that we reach that particular uh, juncture. So, Antishoch is in Northern Ireland, as yes. we speak. There are a number of issues. We've seen the change of power as well with the rise of Sinn Féin and the, the alliance, isn't it? So, um, have you looked at, again, wearing your foreign affairs hat, <laughs> looking at that, what are the implications of the latest elections and how close are they to forming some form of government up there? Are they a million miles away? Well, most people believe that it's a very long way away, um, that because the DUP for the first time have to acknowledge that there will be a nationalist as first minister that's a very difficult pill to swallow 
Uh, and many people believe that they've contrived the protocol as the excuse for not accepting the democratic decision of the people of Northern Ireland. Uh, Sinn Féin are the largest party in the Assembly. Uh, under the Good Friday Agreement, they're entitled to the position of, of, of First Minister. Now, the position of Deputy First Minister under, under the agreement, if you look at the legalities of it, is exactly of the same status. Mm. But the title sounds more important. Uh, and for that reason, um, I think that we're a long way away from a settlement that will get a functioning uh, executive in Northern Ireland. And that is really, really uh, upsetting too, because all the issues that we face in the Republic, in terms of uh, inflation, in terms of the cost of living crisis, in terms yeah. of uh, difficulties in our health service, uh, housing crisis, they're all replicated in Northern Ireland too, but they won't have a government to deal with it. And the worst of all, uh, situations would be, um, you know, nothing happening right. and uh, simply uh, a caretaker government uh, sitting in their seats but not being able to make any decisions. At a time when decisions are crucial, aren't they? Absolutely. It. So, uh, I mean, us down here in mm. County Wexford, should we be worried by all of this? Should we be apprehensive? Well, there's nothing... all the other worries we have, is well, this one we need to worry about? There's very little we can do. I mean, this is something that will be resolved in Northern Ireland. Um, we hope uh, my actual, if you ask me for my innermost thoughts, I don't believe that the United Kingdom is a rogue state I don't think that they will uh, walk away from a solemn legal agreement because who in the world are going to do a trade deal? And very interestingly today you've seen the statement made by the Speaker of the US uh, yes. Congress, yes. Nancy Pelosi, and she said that uh, if they walk away arbitrarily from a, a legal agreement, there will be no trade deal with America. Mm. And any other country uh, seeking to do a legally binding agreement with the United Kingdom yeah. uh, will certainly pause and have second thoughts if they feel that, well, in six months or a year's time, uh, the British government simply can tear it up or walk away from it. That is the actions of a maverick state. And there's a certain, and I don't want to make any comparisons here, yeah. but there is a certain irony in the world uniting against uh, the breaking of international law by Russia hmm. uh, when the British uh, are threatening to break international law. It's not comparable, okay. but it is an issue that uh, normal states, the, the normal statecraft involves governments sitting down, negotiating to the best of their ability and coming to agreement, and those agreements being binding on all parties. Right, and I'll just clarify what you said there. The US Congress will not support a free trade agreement with the UK if the government persists with deeply concerning plans to unilaterally discard the Northern Ireland Protocol. The House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, who you've just referred to, said in a strongly worded intervention, she urged the UK and the EU to continue negotiations on the Northern Ireland Protocol to uphold peace in the region. The Good Friday Accords are the bedrock of peace in Northern Ireland. Ireland and a beacon of hope for the entire world. I mean, the, the, that element of it yeah. is going to be news to a lot of people's ears this morning, that there is a threat oh, yeah. to the Good Friday Agreement out of all of this. That's very worrying, isn't it? It, it is worrying, uh, and as I say, I think it is important that we say these things so that the British government get a grip. Yeah. Now, I have meetings next week with representatives of um, uh, the British Embassy um, to set out my views and the views of the Labour Party in relation to these matters. Everybody else, the Taoiseach, as you rightly say, is in Northern Ireland today. Um, our diplomats internationally are making the point uh, and I think that a, a lot of and I talk very closely to my counterparts in the, in the British Labour Party uh, Stephen Doughty who is their I spoke to him on this programme you yeah. did indeed well yeah. Stephen uh, is, a, is a friend of mine uh, and he spoke in the Commons in very clear terms 
that it would be a fundamental mistake for Britain to arbitrarily walk away from an international agreement. I know you're on your way to Kilmore very yeah. shortly. What's happening down there? It's a, a good red-letter day for Kilmore. Um, finally, uh, we're do- doing the sod turning uh, on the new sewage scheme that is long-awaited and long-promised. Um, it's going to be two years before it actually comes on stream, but it means that all the raw sewage that now flows into uh, the, the sea at Kilmore uh, in two years' time, when that uh, uh, plant is commissioned, that, right. th- that will be at an end, and it, it will allow for the, the uh, clean and proper uh, and green development uh, of the important facilities at, at, at Kilmore Quay. And hopefully, uh, they'll be followed uh, by the other uh, coastal communities like, like Ballyhack and so on that are so desperately in need of the same facilities. Throughout the course of the week, we've spoken to a number of representatives, both councillors and fellow deputies, about the, the range of issues here in County Wexford that are affecting mm-hmm. the county, Brendan. A lot of people have com- commented to me that we now have what they call a tired government. And I see in some of the news wires today, they're, they, I think one of the, the leaders, whether it be Varadkar or Coveney, one of them, I'm not quite sure because I haven't read it in full, but some, one of them, has, I think it's actually Antonish has gone and said there is no no plans for a general election. But there is a general feeling that uh, we now have a tired government. We've come out of uh, a hectic time with a do you, do, you, do you see an election on the cards at this point in time, or what do you think? I think you're absolutely right by a tired government. Uh, I know um, being in government for five years at a, uh, at a trot in a crisis, it is physically and emotionally draining. And the current government, some of them have been in government for the best part of ten years and longer. Uh, and that takes a toll, and you run out of mm. capacity. And it's, I think it's becoming clearer that a change is needed right now, a refreshment uh, uh, of government. Um, I think they've done things well, and I, I, I want to acknowledge that in terms of the COVID crisis. They, by and large, and we'll do a review of it, they've handled that well. But there are now the post-COVID social issues like housing, like the reconstitution of our health service and implementation of the sloint care. Hmm. Um, all these things require a freshness, a dynamism, and it's absolutely absent from the current government. So I hope that um, right. that the, there will be a refreshment. Obviously, there's going to be a change of Taoiseach at the end of the year anyway, uh, and that might be an opportune time to actually ask the people to select a, a new a new doll and, and a, a new government. Hmm. Uh, at the end of this year? The, yeah. At the end of this year, the, right. there, there will uh, be... And you think that's a good time to go to the polls if it needs to be at the well, end I'm of this year? Well, yeah. uh, under the agreement that the current government have, yeah. um, the, the Taoiseach Michal Martin is going to swap with Leo Varadkar again. And this, you know, Leo has been Taoiseach. Michal Martin has been Taoiseach. Leo is going to be Taoiseach again. There's a tiredness about all of that that I think needs... Um, a, a, a view of the people to be taken okay. uh, on what they want and what their priorities are now uh, in terms of solving the real social issues and th- there's no doubt in my mind from my office housing is still the overwhelming issue for people affordable housing uh, and we need to have a, um, a government in place that will drive the building of affordable houses at all costs to mm-hmm. get, get rid of all barriers. That level of dynamism is not there. Right. And we can see in the health service issues that are just arising again and again. Uh, I think a bad decision was made, for example, in relation to the National Maternity Hospital. But we, we need a government that will confront obstacles and overcome them, right. not wait and dither and go around them. Have to leave it there. If I use the word fatigue, 
Would that be fair enough? For the government, yes. Fatigue for Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. I think just, they've been in government a very long time Mm. uh, and they probably, uh, you know, they've done well in a a number of issues but they probably deserve a rest. Will Mary Lou be on your Taoiseach? Um, That's a matter for the people and that is the truth. I mean, uh, it it is, uh, as I've said often, it's it's easier to put forward um, a critique when you're sitting in the comfort of the opposition benches and I do it myself now. Mm. Um, But we have to be the people of Ireland have to be assured that if they're electing a government, they're electing people that can actually do the job. Because, like every, like any hurler on the ditch, it's always easier to critique those that are playing than actually play yourself. 